Welcome to episode 20 of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. My name is uh, Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I am lovingly and thankfully joined once again by... <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil from An Ashes Cairns. Fantastic. I thought you were going to leave me hanging again, Phil. Uh, no, I was too busy, too busy chortling. I know. Episode 20 is entitled Let the Blood Run Free. And in this episode, we are... Um, we're talking about something that's super fresh, still um, still hot off the presses, Phil. What are we talking about today? Talking about the new Corn Blood Bowl team. Yeah, this is it, Ricky Coaches. Yeah. Ricky Coaches, you're in for a treat. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Corn team that was, feels like it was only just announced 10 minutes ago, and then all of a sudden the Spike magazine and the digital downloads were whizzing around and Boom! We here we are. Well, we're reading it. Well, you say you say the digital downloads were wizarding around. I'm still fucking waiting for mine. It was released yesterday, so uh, look, let's it's lost in, lost in the post. Lost in the post. Lost in the in the interwebs, along yeah. with uh, along with all the Bitcoin and stuff that we we should we deserve to have. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I want I want Dogecoin. Whatever the fuck I mean, that is, Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I know fuck all about cryptocurrency. It's uh, made, up, my... made up, made up, fantasy shit. Let's think of Blood Bowl. Yeah, not not but my wheelhouse. We've we've got quite a lot to cover because it's been a it's been a busy month. Um, yep. Not just in terms of new releases, uh, you know, being the quarantine, which we do get to talk about, but we um, we both attended big tournaments. So we're going to talk about those uh, for Blood Bowl and for Bolt Action, which I don't I, I don't know if if our listeners. Uh, have a big sigh and skip over all my bolt action chat and thinking it's like this is supposed to be a Blood Bowl podcast. <laughs> well, we do, I don't think we've ever said this is a Blood Bowl podcast. You know, I mean, it's one of the big the big things we talk about, obviously, because we yeah. both play it, but we talk about other shit as well. Yeah, this is true, and there's always a nugget of gold thrown in. I mean, it, I mean, there's dice cups involved. I mean, I think it's a dice bag that you use for bolt action, but... Um, a ball sack, yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> a, di- a dice scroll, a big dice scroll bag. Um, but let's look. Let's let's just get straight into it, Phil. Because um, I have got a nice big fat glass of red wine, and uh, I'm fully intent on getting through quite a few tonight before we <laughs> quite a it. few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Amazing. So let's um, fuck the first section. What do we call it? We talk about oh. gaming. Fuck off! I can't, I can't remember what these sections are called. Um, the, only, the only the only section that matters is rookie coaches, and rookie coaches just hang with us. We'll get there. We're talking about our gaming first night. We always talk on the game on the game front. On the games front, yeah, that's it. Fucking hell! I know. It's so not like we've been doing this for nearly two years. Fuck my life. I know. Episode twenty. Bunch of fucking has beens. Um, <laughs> do you do you want to start off with Blood Bowl to keep? The Blood Bowl players <laughs> yeah, interested? Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that, mate. So, go on. Um, okay, so like, uh, what do you want? Tournament first or league? Let's let's stick with Kelly Bowl and tournaments because yeah. that's that's what we, you know, that's our main focus. Uh, so, I and mean, people should hear about that. Yeah. So, I mean, Kelly Bowl happened a couple of weekends ago. Uh, last last want- weekend and. Do you want to give the listeners give listeners a quick quick overview of Kelly Bowl, what it is, where it is, what it does? Yeah, it's in Kilmarnock. It's in Kilmarnock. Some 
backwater in uh, <laughs> southwestern Scotland. <laughs> Central southwestern Scotland, I think. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Kilmarnock's not the, the most glamorous of places, but it's functional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, <laughs> the, the Killing World Tournament is in its, is it third year? Fourth year? Fuck no. Fourth. Fourth. Um, and it's it's expertly run by Mr. Scott Patton, who is known on Fumble and NAF as Jack H. Um, yeah. He he, uh, he runs it, um, and it's a good day out had by all, uh, and that it lived up to the hype this year as well. It was uh, my first tournament since uh, February twenty twenty, uh, which was Mulligan's. Uh, in some other backwater, Lothian or whatever, Central Belt again. Um, but yeah, Killy Bowl was great. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go through that what the rule pack was and everything like that, but um, it it was quite like Scott had a good go at um, trying to address some of the star player issues that we'd been seeing in the um, in the previous kind of runner tournaments that had been on. Um, and did it address it? I think it made it not as bad as it could have been, but there was still there was still some classic uh, star player moments, which I'll get to as we go through the game uh, games rather. Um, yeah, so I I took Shambling Undead, um, which I thought well, uh, Blood Bowl twenty twenty. It's still fairly new. I haven't played any real kind of. Um, overly competitive games of it yet um, I played a couple in the league up until that point a few friendly games between friends uh, uh, but yeah it's, uh, I, I thought I'd better kind of focus on a team that I'd, I knew reasonably well so that the rules that uh, the rules queries that uh, appeared might be kind of just limited to either the opponent's team or um, or actual rules queries um, and that, that actually helped and there, was, there wasn't that many um, weird kind of instances. So my first game was um, against Halflings uh, with Deep Root. What did you think? Shambling Undead. I'm sorry, you have said that. My mistake. Yes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you're already on the second glass. Don't have uh, this with the first. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I, I played, played against Halflings in the first game and it's a guy called uh, Pete Root. Uh, that's his uh, NAF name. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'd imagine I, thought that was his, I thought that was his real name. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't what know. What a it, might, it might well be. I don't know. His name was <laughs> Peter. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he was a ni- he was a nice guy. Uh, he runs the Carlisle Reavers uh, Blood Bowl tournament. Oh, cool. Um, so he and he's got like a club in Carlisle um, that. Um, has all sorts of games and stuff like that, so he runs that. Um, so he, yeah, it was a really, really fun game. The guy, guy, and I had a, a total laugh. Uh, I smashed his halflings about and beat him two nil. Um, but it was all, it all went wrong for him in the first, uh, in his first turn when he failed a dodge with a halfling with the ball, uh, effectively, <laughs> and it just, it just went wrong. Uh, but yeah, it was. Um, it was an interesting game, you know. Like Deep Root 
with him having mighty blue plus two, uh, definitely made a difference. All the casualties and and KOs that he caused, I think it was about four or so, include inclusive of KOs as well. Um, were were caused by deep root. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was just every time he hit something, it was it was either through the armor or a KO or a casualty, uh, which was uh, frustrating. Uh, his trees rooted quite a lot, um, which was diffi- made it difficult for him. But at no point through that game did I feel like I was going to to lose. Um, right, you know, it was one of those one of those games. Um, the second game I played um, Lord Garlack, who's uh, David McElhenney. Mm-hmm. Uh He's uh, one of the Edinburgh guys, and uh, he didn't dice me; I diced myself. If that makes ah. sense, yeah. He was he was running Necro, uh, or was he? No, he was running Undead with uh, Cheney. Yep. Um now I don't know, like I feel like there was a there was one pivotal moment in the in the game, basically. You know, like um I scored at the end of his drive to tie it up for one one, going into my drive. And on my drive, um I was in a reasonably comfortable position. And mm-hmm. then I was doing the switching from side to side, just just Dragging out time, looking for an opening because obviously he had uh, Cheney, so a one turn's a possibility. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll st- I'm not not stalling for the sake of stalling, but I would quite happily have taken a, a draw. Um, and I made one go for it to get into a better position. And if I'd have made it into that position down the side, he would have found it very difficult. Because almost all his guys were on the other side, he might have been able to get one or two round. But then the next turn, I would have had more scope to get even further or deeper into his half, uh, and I, I snaked it, uh, and yeah. that was it. You know, the game just my game just fell to bits at that point. Uh, not only uh, I think he KO'd a mummy in the next next in his turn after that, um, he waltzed in and picked up the ball with Cheney without any effort <laughs> required and then just stalled out until the last sort of turn. Meanwhile, I was failing three up dodges uh, with dodge yeah. rerolls left, right mm-hmm. and centre. So it was a it was a shit game from that respect. But I mean he played well, you know, I'm I'm not gonna take that uh that get that away from him and he won, so um that that's that's it's all fair, you know. Um but yeah, yeah. I, it was. It sucked a bit to for it all to hinge on that one one dice roll. Really, I think, or at least that's how it felt at that point. You know, he's probably got a different take on the game from me. Yeah, um, but, but, we'll never hear that. So. No, no, we're only listening to me at this point. Um, exactly. And then <laughs> in my last game, I came up against uh, uh, Lewis Mullen, who is uh, Lewis M. On uh, NAF, Fumble, Blood Bowl Two, uh, he's fairly well known on all uh, on uh, Blood Bowl yeah. Two, and he's a nice guy. He's um, he's been based down in sort of London um, for a, for a wee while, and now he's back up in Glasgow. 
Um, and uh, he was running Ogres with Griff. So three games against teams that all had a star player, you know. Um, so he had four Ogres, Griff, and a metric fuckton of, uh, of Noblars. Uh, and he had the riotous rookies uh, uh, inducement as well. Mm-hmm. So he ended up with 19 players in total. Jesus. And he basically, so he, I kicked to him because uh, he won the toss. Um, and he basically just stalled his way up the pitch with Griff. And. Yeah. Uh, and a cage of ogres, and he didn't really have that many boneheads that actually made a difference. He had a couple on the line in the first couple of turns, but nothing that stopped him from getting up the way, and there was no opening for me to get at the ball. You know, like, it was just a case of uh, is it worth doing a cage dive on a uh, two-up on a five-up or whatever uh, (laughs) to do a a two dice uphill and a blodger. Uh, and it just didn't feel like it was worth it, to be honest, uh, I'd, after the game I'd had previously. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll play for a draw here, I think, or if I can score early enough, I might sneak a win. Um, so he scored, and then I got the ball in my drive, managed to kind of come up the side, and I left, stupidly, left a... Um, I miscounted, so that's my fault. Uh, and I left him a, a hit on the ball carrier with Griff. And I was just looking at it. as soon as I as soon as I let his turn go, I was like, "Please tell me he's not going to see that." Because I mean, it, it, it involved uh, go for it uh, or rushes. Sorry, fucking hell. Yep. Um, to get there, um, and he ended up going down. Uh, <laughs> so it was like. I'm going to fucking foul this guy. I'm totally going to foul him. But then the guy that I wanted to foul with, I ended up accidentally blocking in. Uh, so I'd, I would have had to have made a four-up dodge to do it. And I thought, no, you know something, I'm just, I'm just, I was having a good laugh with him. And I just thought, you know something, I'm going to foul fifth, uh, Griff with the ball carrier. And uh, did I not just kill Griff outright with the, with the foul? <laughs> <laughs> But got sent off as well at the same time. So uh, yeah, the yeah, ball you, the ball was you loose. Still, you still killed Griff. So. Yep, the ball was loose, uh, and um, but Griff was Griff was gone. Um, so I thought, well, this isn't a problem. I'll pick it up. Picked up at the next turn. I mean, all the way through the game, I was removing Snotlings left, right, and centre. But he still had eleven players after I scored my touchdown in his drive in my drive. Sorry. Yep. Uh, to set up uh, to go for a, a one turn, um, I was just like, "Fucking hell!" Uh, like I was smashing his team to bits. I think I got seven casualties in that game. Nice in total. Um, so I mean, yeah, I finished one one one. Um, it wasn't a great tournament from my point of view, but it was a good learning experience. It kind of it settled a couple of things for me on in terms of star players and that I mean almost all of the games were just uh, but two of the three games were deci- uh, decided by star players effectively mm-hmm. um, which was uh, the the outcomes of which which was kind of what I expected from them uh, but I ended up um, 
finished in mid mid table, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I ended up um, winning most casualties, uh, which was good. It's yeah. my first uh, ever bit of uh, trophyage from a Blood Bowl tournament. So happy with that. Good. So I remember uh, when we were talking in the last podcast about tournament expectations and your only real desire was to make sure you won a game, but which obviously you have. You, you, won, your, uh, you won your first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how did you feel afterwards? Or how did you feel afterwards and during the tournament itself, you know, the the gameplay, seeing the results come in, how was it for you? It was good, yeah. I mean, it was good back play, uh, being back playing. I mean, I think, I think if I'd got a draw out of the, um, the second, if I'd got a win out of the second game, um, I reckon I'd have finished quite high. Yeah. Um, in the tournament. Uh, in fact, the guy that the guy that beat me was in the final, so I'd I'd have been in the final as well. Uh, yeah. In his place, if I'd have been there, and the guy who won the tournament um, was one of the Aberdeen guys. Um, he he beat uh, uh, Lord Garlack in the final. So um, uh, yeah, I think I think I probably would have finished reasonably high if I'd. Uh, if I'd have ended up winning, winning the second game, a draw I probably would have finished not much higher than I did it uh, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Although I might might not have ended up playing against uh, Griff uh, and ended up playing against a non um, a non star player team. Uh, but the guy that won it, uh, Callum, uh, who's uh, na- a named Shrike, um, he was running um, Underworld with Hackflem. And uh, yeah, um, Hackflem was responsible for some of the shenanigans that won in the uh, the tournament. He ended yeah, up, we, he ended up we, beating dwarves and all sorts. Yeah, fully expect that to happen. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it was a good it was a good experience. Yeah, nicely run by Scott. Um, everybody seemed really kind of up for it. You know, it was a a good laugh, um, and good to be back. So yeah, as far as as far as tournaments go, that was it. Um, the league, um, Blood Bowl. I've now played five games in the Aberdeen League since we started up at the start of October. So, three of them, I think, since the last podcast. Uh, I've won them all. Um, so who did I play? I beat Callum, uh, Shrike. Uh, he's run Underworld in the league as well, and I'm running Shambling Undead, and I beat him 2-0. Um, I played Gordon Huntley Loon. He's running Orcs. I beat him 1-0. And I played Brian Amroth um, last week, and he's running Skaven, and I beat him 2-0. So I'm now on... I'm on 5-0-0 in the league. Oh, mate. Uh, but... It, that that's since we started back, but since uh, um, this season in in um, Blood Bowl, I'm on eleven oh oh, I think, and I've not conceded uh, a single touchdown in eleven games. So I'm, right. okay <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. 
I'm actually yeah. quite enjoying playing, but being back playing in person anyway. Uh, but the five games that I've had with Shamblin Undead, I mean, they're definitely a tier one team for sure, no mm-hmm. questions. Are they? Are they brilliant? You know, I mean, they've still got things that can go wrong. And I think as as TV kind of goes up, um, and there's more tackle comes in, um, I think they'll probably things will start to get a little bit tighter. Um, but yeah, I mean they're a good a good team to start out with if anybody's looking at new, uh, at new players looking at easier teams to start out with. You know, I'm a fairly I'm sure we, player. We we discussed that when we were reviewing the necromantic team uh, last yeah. episode. We we recommended Chamberlain Undead as a the, the better flavor of Undead to to start with. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, as far as Blood Bowl goes, I'm I'm not doing too bad. I think I'm happy enough with everything that's happening. Um, but that that's about it. I, I haven't really kind of played online anything like that since I started uh, playing back in person. So how about yourself? What have you been up to? Yeah, you been well, a for tournament? me, for me, it was the two days, five games, uh, Scottish Nationals for Bolt Action, um, which was held in Bathgate at Nightly Games, which I believe is Aye. home to um, the MKBBL, another one of the Scottish leagues. That's right, yeah, the guys that uh, uh, run Mulligans, yeah. Yeah, Chris, what's Chris's surname? Chris, Chris, Chris. Rafferty. Chris Rafferty, that's right. So yeah, we it's a big local store in Bathgate. And uh, yeah, I remember when we were talking about it, there was not 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 trepidation, hesitation. I had a lot of mixed emotions before going into it. Just was I going there to be competitive, which I decided I absolutely was. Had a new army to get ready for it, which was a little bit. Uh, well, I hadn't practiced as much with it as I would have liked, but you know the basic skills of bolt action applied quite well, and. I think when I said uh, my expectation, you know, was to finish eighth is where I expected to be, and I expected four wins and a and a loss. Mm-hmm. I want the listeners to know before I go into this story that didn't happen. Okay, uh, what did actually happen was that, yes, to give it a bit of frame of reference, the it was an extremely competitive event. It was actually one of the most competitive events, singles events held in the UK this year, I am pretty sure, other than maybe the Welsh the Welsh Open earlier in the year. Uh, we had players, the World Team Championship players from Denmark came over. There was about eight of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, their captain, a guy called Bo Mortensen, he brought a whole squad of, of great players. The English WTC captain and one of his team came up. The Welsh captain uh, was there as well from the previous WTC. Uh, all the Scottish WTC players, bar one, were there. Um, so it was, a, it was it was a competitive field. And uh, going into it, so the, the first game I played one of the the Danish players, and uh, he had this. I, as players, the listeners will remember, I've got a German army with lots of tricks. Uh, 
my opponent rocked up with this massive Japanese horde. It's like fuck. It's like I've got I've got eighteen units. He had twenty four. So you know, man for man, he was more. Yeah. Um, but I was I was fully fired up. I was ready to fucking play bull action, and I was ready to play hard because I knew that every looking at the field, I knew every every game was going to count. So uh, I went to town on this guy. I just I had my focus a hundred percent on. My dice rolls were okay. His dice rolls were okay. It was just I made all the right tactical choices against them, and I recorded one of the biggest wins I have ever recorded. Um, the, the way the tiebreaker worked it was on the number of units that you killed um, okay. and so it was units killed versus units lost so it was your net net units and I ended up uh, winning the mission winning the game and the dice count was 21 to 3 it was fucking brutal uh, what I did to this guy um, I didn't hold back. I chased down every unit I could uh, to get the to make sure I started off with a good a good tiebreaker. Because as I as I said to you guys beforehand in the previous episode, I was thinking up I would get like four wins and a loss. So I knew I, I would probably need a good a good tiebreaker to to split me from the pack. Um, so getting that first big win really sort of settled me in. Uh, what was the guy's name? Mark. Nice, nice guy from Denmark. He took he took the defeat well. I did a tactical debrief with him at the end. Just I didn't so much tell him what he did wrong because I don't think he did anything wrong. But I told him what I was reacting to. I, you know, as I went through, went trace back through each of the turns. I told him what I was doing to counter what he was doing because I told him in the end, it's like you didn't do anything wrong. You made all your right choices. I just made choices that countered yours and then preempted some of the stuff that he was trying to do. You know, where he was moving units towards objectives and things he had in reserve. Anyway, boring stuff. But it was a great two and a half hour game. My second game, I came up against a, a, Scottish, a Scottish player called Graham Thompson, um, who's also a, a reasonably well known Blood Bowl player. A, I've forgotten his bottle name. Uh, Garrick. Garrick, that's it. Uh, pretty notorious with Dark Elves back in the day. Uh, but we, we've got a history of tough games, very tough games, and he had also put a big win on the board. I think he had won his game 17-6. to six. Uh, So I still had a better tiebreaker, but he was the next best then tiebreaker. And... I never, I never got a chance to speak to him about it, but I know that going into that game, we both knew that our both our tournaments were in the balance on round two. You know, whoever won would take the other player out of the running, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, you know, because we were we were the the designated top table um, of that round, albeit it's only round two, so you know, doesn't mean a lot at that point. But we knew that it did. So it was it was a very hard, very tense game, very enjoyable game, um, but we had to shoo away people that came to spectate just because time was quite critical um, at the end, and it ended up being a draw. 
like a hard fought draw, which uh, Graham only managed to snatch in literally the last 120 seconds of the game before the before the uh, round ended, um, and it was five five on on dice. So it was a it was a sort of neutral um, neutral round. So we never took each other out of the running, but. Obviously, we made it a little bit harder for each of us to, to you know, win the overall event. But I was, was I happy getting the draw? In hindsight, yes, it was. It was probably the right, the right result. Uh, it was the right result in the end because I played a very, I played a fully defensive mission, a, a sort of a defensive tactic. Uh, I don't think anything, any of my units left my board half. I just sat back right. and let, let him come to me. Uh, and it was great, though. The dice, again, were neither good nor bad um, for each of us. So it was quite well-balanced game in that aspect. Um, so that then went into round three. And I played the Welsh captain, uh, who I had played down in Southend earlier in the year, and I had cuffed the life out of him, 11-0. Uh, Actually, no. He was he was captain in the English team at that point, but he is he is Welsh. Whatever, it's complicated. Bolaghan politics. I'm not going mm-hmm. there. Um, but he also had a Japanese horde, and he had twenty seven units to my eighteen. It was like even more than the first game. I was like, fuck. Uh, and the, and it was at this point where, uh, you know, it happens in a lot of war games, but. There's just a few things that stack against you. So the mission was a mission called Sectors, and you got points for being in your opponent's sort of table quarter. And then there's like the two neutral table quarters. Uh, you got points for having units in them, and he had 27 units, and I had 18. It's like, fuck. So he's got more units than me. Uh, so he was always going to score more points quite easily unless I had to go and wipe them out um, but then the board we were playing on was quite open which favoured him more than me uh, you know so there was those two there was those two elements going against me and he, uh, this guy called Paul Wickens was my opponent he is just as good a player as I am and so when there was two things to his advantage which were to my disadvantage, and that tipped the balance. Uh, you know, so the, the dice again were, were quite balanced. He just had those advantages, and he made sure he um, he used them against me. So I lost, I lost that game. Uh, and I think tiebreaker was actually still quite close. It was he got fourteen to nine. So it was I still managed to keep it quite reasonably close, but he he did. He did do some some pretty serious damage to me, so I finished the day on one one one, which put me sort of pretty deep in the middle of the pack going into day two, and then day two, uh, round four, I met one of the other another one of the Danish players, a guy called Michael or Mark again. Uh, Before we just got into that though, uh, how how were you feeling at the end of the first day then? Because we. You'd kind of thought um, in your head, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sort of really competitive at this one. Yeah. And going into the second day, one, 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 
like you're probably out of the running for winning the tournament at that point. And oh, you, you have to kind of be, yeah, coming to and terms with that. You know? Yeah. I, well, I'd already come to terms before going into the event. I knew I could not win with the army that I had. So I knew I couldn't do it. And when I got the draw in the second round, and pretty much that pretty much affirmed that it's like, no, can't happen. And then losing the third round, I was like, yep, so I am definitely out now. But I wasn't upset because I never expected to be in it. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't, um, you know, when I drove home that night, I wasn't put out or annoyed or frustrated at myself. I think all the results were fair. My win was good. My draw was, you know, reasonable. And the loss, like, yep, that was a loss. It would have taken, you know, some mistakes from my opponent, some really, some medical dice to make, to make it not a loss. So I wasn't, I wasn't kidding myself, you know, any of the results, there was nothing I could go back and change that, or things I could things I affected I could change would not have mattered so, yeah. yeah, but I knew that you know, the next day it wasn't um, I'm going to try to think pardon me it, I didn't go into the next day just going, ah fuck it, you know I've got nothing to play for uh, I still thought, no no I still want a place in the top you know, I want my top 10 place in that. So I'm still going to have to put some wins on the board here. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, my mindset didn't change. I didn't think, oh, you know, well, you know, you know, sometimes on a one day tournament when you lose your first round, you're like, oh, fuck it, just playing for fun, do some crazy Aye. things. Um, no, I, my mindset was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the Scottish captain. I'm going to, you know, keep fighting, you know, to make sure I put some good results on the board and then, uh, you know, show the boys that, that I care, uh, you know, about all my games. And so, yeah, the, the fourth round was a guy, Michael or Mark. I, I played two Danish players, Michael and Mark. I can't remember what order their names came in. Uh, and I apologise for that. But he, um, I, it, was, it was one of those days where I've, I've, I've not played him before, but I've been aware of him. He's, he's a good player, a very good player. And he had an extremely good American list, um, which had all the tools that you need to, to win a game of bolt action. You know, tanks with lots of machine guns, uh, you know, five or six units with flamethrowers. He, he had all the equipment, you know, two multi-launchers, you know, firing out multiple rocket things. It's like, yeah, he's got all the kit. He's got all the kit going for it. But the problem he had was the mission. Uh, it was an attack or defender type thing, and I, I got the choice to defend, which meant that he had to come to me, and he had to take two out of three objectives in my deployment zone to win. Uh, or if he wanted a draw, he just had to take one. Um, so traditionally, this game ends in a draw, uh, just because you know that it's really hard to, you know, attack and take two. So I had that advantage, and then the table itself uh, had a big row of buildings straight down the middle, so that blocked a lot of line of sight, so he couldn't, whenever he was attacking, he had to channel himself through two channels. Uh, so I was able to put up a pretty solid defence, and uh, he never really got a look in. 
And coupled with the fact that my dice on day two on that particular game were just fucking on fire. Like, it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, just the number of sixes I rolled to hit and just to blow shit up. It's just phenomenal. Um, I'm sure, you know, uh, Blood Bowl players love statistics. And the statistic of rolling uh, on a single dice with no rerolls, a 2+, plus, a 6+, plus, then a 4+, plus. what's that? Was, you know, I'm, I'm awful at statistic, uh, statistics. But, so yeah. but you, you would think that it's statistically you know, quite high. Uh, I would hope a Blood Bowl player, one of the Blood Bowl players would figure that out, 2+, plus, 6+, plus, 4+, plus, single dice, no reroll. Um, and for that, that was, that was a, a sniper firing at a truck. Uh, so he needed that. He was really close. He needed a 2+, plus to hit it. He needed a 6+, plus to penetrate the armour. And then I needed a 4+, plus to destroy it, and I got it. I just I screamed out. When I rolled the six, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't fucking deserve that!" Uh, just because my dice had been so good for the entire game, and they just wouldn't stop being good. And people looked around as though, you know, I was the victim. <laughs> as though, like when I screamed, "I didn't deserve that," they thought I was being punished. But they saw the smile yeah. on my face, and and my opponent, God love him, he he knew it was just like, "There's just nothing you can do when there's some this shit like this happening." Um. But inside that truck, he had three units, and I killed two out of three. With one rifle shot, I'd killed three order dice. Uh, and then the last, the, the last infantry unit that got out of that truck, there was like three guys left, and they were cowering behind this wall. And then the next turn, um, I got to activate my sniper again, and I decided to charge. So my, my sniper team of two men charged his three guys and killed them. He was just like, fuck <laughs> off. It was an absolute fucking beast mode. Um, so yeah, look, I won that game. I, I can't remember what the dice count was, but it was pretty high. Uh, and then I went into game five. And it was, uh, it was, another, it was another Scottish player um, called Phil Mason. Who's also a, a Blood Bowl player, um, yeah. one of the boys out of uh, Inverness Way. Um, I can't remember what his uh, what his NAF name is, sadly. No, me um, either. It's on, a, it's on the tip is. of my tongue, but um, yeah, I got to play Phil in the last round, and he had a Soviet army, um, and it was uh, I think he had the same number of dice as me. And it was one of these um, objective-based missions where you roll the dice and you work out how many you know, how many objectives you put down. And I'm sure we rolled five. And he got to place three, and I got to place two. And he placed um, he placed a bunch on one side, sort of within twelve inches of the board edge. And I placed my objectives sort of just off of the middle line. But then we have to roll for board. To, for deployment and so it's just a dice off then uh, I won the dice off so I picked the board edge where he put all the objectives on that side um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the, he, he played that as a risk you know because if he won that role he would have done the same and then he would have him, I would have had to go and go and get them uh, so that, that gave me a, a pretty big advantage and um and then with, with me having put 
the objectives in the middle, he had to travel a lot further to get them. Um, whereas I only had to sort of reach out to contest them. And, you know, I, I won that game as well. Uh, and sort of towards the end when I said to him, when once the game was sort of beyond his control, I had, I had to say to him, it's like, Phil, I'm sorry, but we do have to play on uh, until the game sort of completes itself uh, just for the tiebreaker. So I was still chasing, you know, units to kill and stuff like that. So I, I think that was one of those actions where, you know, you know, I, I know Phil quite well. Um, and it was only because I knew Phil quite well that I felt bad for doing it, but I still did it because it's a tournament. And sometimes you just have to have your tournament mindset on. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I wanted to make sure I had the best tiebreaker possible. Um, and I did the same. I did the same with uh, Michael in the previous round. Once the game was beyond, I continued playing it. Whereas, you know, if you didn't care or if you wanted to be a good sportsman, you just go, oh, look, mate, look, this game's fucked. Sorry, you've lost. Let's just, you know, I just call it there and put him out of his misery. It's like, but the tiebreaker, the tiebreaker matters. Mm-hmm. So I played it to its um, I played it to its full conclusion. Um, there's a few cool tactical things that happened. You know, one of them was I had lots of stuff on outflank, um, and the outflanking rule means you can bring stuff on one of the short board edges. Um, you know, later on in the game, obviously Phil, myself and Phil have spoken about this tactically lots of times. And when you know you've got when your opponent's got stuff outflanking, you put things on ambush so that they can fire when uh, enemy units move near them. And that's exactly what Phil did, uh, you know, which is the right tactical choice. But to counter that, I had, uh, I think I had like three units on outflank. One of them was a bike, one of them was a truck with uh, some infantry in it, and one was another truck with some more infantry in it, whatever it was. Uh, so when he put the unit on ambush, I rolled the dice to bring my um, sort of attack bike on, and then he knew he knew what I was doing as I was doing it because I just drove it right in front of them, and I was like, "Okay, you're gonna shoot," and then he knew it's like if he doesn't shoot, my bike will shoot them, uh, causing damage. So you know, ultimately killing some infantry, but then making their ability to fire back uh, less effective, or he activates them, kills the bike, and then I bring everything else on. Uh, and he chose he chose to to shoot and kill the bike. Um, you know, so I put him in between a rock and a hard place. So I sacrificed the unit to clear the path for the rest of my stuff to come on, and that's exactly what they did. It was a it was it was a tactical sacrifice. It was it was really it was really good that I had the awareness even on game five. Uh, so you know what was it turn game five turn three of a two day event I still had the tactical awareness to do it um, and not just you know give up or wait a turn or something um, yeah so you know thanks for the rookie coaches for listening hopefully that didn't bore you too much um, but I finished on three wins a draw and a loss and fuck me I actually finished fourth overall out of 28 players 
Yeah, I mean that that's really really good. You know, I mean, what what was the um, what did the person who won? Did they win all five they, games? Yeah, the, the person that won won all five. Okay. Uh, second and third were on four wins and a loss, and then I think it was uh, fourth and fourth, fifth, and sixth were on three wins, a draw, and a loss. So there was a little there was a little gaggle of us just off the podium. Yeah, uh, and and my tiebreaker was really good, so I, I made sure I cleared the pack convincingly. Um, you know Graham, who I played in round two, he finished fifth. He was on three wins, a draw, and a loss. Uh, he was actually on the top table um, at the very end. Uh, so his his loss was was the top table for the for the tournament win, um, which is good because it actually meant that. You know, the draw that we got didn't actually um, knock us both out of contention fully, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it did mean that he had to, if he wanted to win the event, he had to win the game. Whereas his opponent, who was on four wins at that point, he knew that if he got a draw, it would still be enough for him to win. So he, yeah. he, he right. still had the advantage um, in that respect. So I, I met, I, I met my own expectations um, out of all of it, which which I couldn't, um, you know, I, I I won't argue, won't argue with, won't get upset about, or annoyed about, or whatever I'm trying to, whatever emotion I'm trying to convey, um, and I loved it. Five games were fucking amazing. Like it, you know, high end bolt action, fully competitive, you know, facing really really great opponents every game. All running really, really, you know, sort of tuned lists. Uh, nobody complained about anybody's lists being overpowered or cheesy or, you know, you know, net lists or power gaming or anything like that. It's like we all had the right mindset to be there. Um, you know, you, you pick up people's lists and you go, ooh, ah, uh, then you remember it's like, hang on a minute, <laughs> look at my list, just as fucking, you know, tuned as yours, so. It yeah. was excellent. Um, but on top of that, though, uh, obviously I said I'd done a lot of painting. Um, I, won the, I won the Best Painted Award at the event as well with the German army I had. So uh, that was just fantastic. And the prizes were fucking mint. Um, you know, I got, I, got lots of, I got quite a lot of stuff for finishing fourth, you know, through gameplay. But Best Painted... I won a set of um, Artis Opus uh, Series S brushes. Um, I, I don't know if the, the listeners are aware of them. Are you aware? You, you know what they are, yeah? Yeah, I've got a set of those. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. Cost like, cost like 50, 60 quid. Yeah. I do um, it's the Series S that I've got. I've, I've got them and the Series D. You know the dry brushes. Yeah, come in the nice sort of presentation box with the, you know, little tub of um, brush brush cleaning soap and everything else. So, you know, super impressed to get that. Didn't expect it uh, to get such a good get such a good prize. But then I also got a gift, like a thirty euro gift voucher from. Um, Scale 75, I did a miniature 
paints and miniature company themselves. Um, and I also got some vouchers for Warlord games as well. Uh, plus, like me, I think all total, you know, with all the different prizes, I walked away with like 120 quid's worth of prizes, if not more. 100, 120, between 120 and 150. So yeah, it's just unreal. Really well supported event. Um, but yeah, it was it was um, it was tough going, and I guess. I guess that might flow into the next section a little bit, um, talking about our um, expenditure and and our, our our hobby endeavors for the month. Yeah, what's on the table, etc. Yeah. Well, I I know I've been talking and monologuing quite a bit, but I can I can deliver quite quickly what I've done hobby wise and explain why that is. Uh, that week, on the run up to the Scottish Nationals. I was painting furiously, uh, you know, all the extra stuff I needed to do. And obviously because I needed to be at a really high standard, I, uh, I couldn't cut any corners or compromise anything. So pretty much uh, the Monday after the Nationals was run and won, I pretty much down tools for two weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, well I was burnt out. But I was looking at all the new fucking cool stuff. You know, I unpacked my figure case, put the army back in the, you know, put, uh, put it back in the cabinet. All the new stuff I'd added to it. I was like, yep, I've, I've done, I've done enough. So I spent a couple of days tidying up my hobby space. I, um, I did finish building the Black Orc team I've got for commission. And again, love putting those games on actual plastics together. So nice. So well thought out. Uh, <laughs> loving it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well designed. Uh, <laughs> well, desi well designed. Adequately well. proportioned arms. Uh, yeah, well, well executed. Nice. Couple, um, of, couple of bits of model max, you know. Yeah, yeah nice uh, instructions. Just trying to yeah. fucking um, <laughs> prompt you there, mate. Uh, but I've also... Um, I've also decided because the listeners would remember from last month that uh, I dropped a whole wedge of cash on uh, miniatures from A Song of Ice and Fire Yes Cool thing was they arrived The even better thing was didn't have to be a customs charge Ah, oh, that's great <laughs> oh, You know, all the way from America uh, So when that arrived I I and I know I said to the listeners, like, I will know as soon as I open it up if I'm going to go this hell for leather painting. Um, as soon as I opened up and looked at the miniatures, they are so fucking good. And I was so tired after having just pressure painted to a high standard that I looked at them and was like, nope, I am not going to try and push out an entire army over Christmas just to... Um, you know, satisfy my own vanity or need to sort of get recognition for my painting or win the glory or whatever the fuck I must have had in my mind when I when I thought about it. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take my time on them. They are they are really they're really special miniatures. They're really they're really nice. Um, so I'm going to 
this, I'm, I'm pretty much going to pay, you know, a couple of units of Lannisters. <clears throat> uh, pick some nice miniatures out and just take my time with them. And I've also decided that I am going to, I'm just going to finish off the tail ends of a whole bunch of little projects. Uh, with silly stuff like there's two, there's two German infantry models that didn't get 100% completed because I didn't need them for the army. It's like, well, yeah. I'm going to paint them. I've got half a dozen tanks to add to my um, Confederate army just to give me different options of, of list. So I'm, and, you know, the bulk of that stuff is airbrush work. So I'm going to do that. And then there's 10 other riflemen for the Confederates that I'm going to paint as well. And then that finishes off all those little tail end projects. Uh, and I want to get that all done by the end of the year, and obviously the the, the Blood Bowl Commission. So I think that's that's a good goal. But in terms of uh, yeah, actually painting stuff, um, yeah, after that week of pressure painting, it's like that nah, down tools, no, no, done enough. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, understandable as well, you know after putting yourself under so much pressure to get something finished that quickly, you know, yep. it's, yeah, it's uh, it's good to take a bit of time away from it um, mm-hmm. just to reassess or or what have you. Take stock. Yes. yes. Yep. So, Aye. I don't know, are you able to talk about what you've been painting and building and then we can laugh at each other about how yeah, much yeah. money we've spent. Yeah, let's let's do that. Uh, so I've um, I've technically finished the uh, the lizards that I'm painting from McNugget. Um, yes, I've I've finished the painting component. On it. I just need to base them, uh, and there's a couple <laughs> of things I want to base at the same time. So all oh, right, you're doing a big same batch. stuff. So I'm just right, doing batch of them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're, they're sitting. Uh, fully painted. Um, reasonably happy with how they've come out. You know, like I, like I said last time, I wasn't particularly happy with the build of them. They were a right pest to put together, and that slowed up proceedings. And uh, but yeah, yeah, happy enough with how they've come out um, in the end. And uh, they are, they do look nice as models. It's just uh, like I said, put them together was the worst thing in the in the world. Um, so yeah, they're they're ready. Um, so I kind of, after doing those, I kind of sat um, myself and thought, well, I've I've got like a couple of months uh, between finishing a job and starting another one. Um, so I'm just kind of taking it easy on the painting front, giving myself a bit of time to kind of do some projects I, I kind of fancied. Um, so I've got, a, I've just started... Um, in Drasta, the Celestial Spear uh, from the Dominion box set, mm-hmm. uh, Stormcast. You know, I've just uh, got the primer and stuff on that, and the first uh, kind of layer of the bone armor that I'm doing it in, um, which is looking quite nice. You um, you put a lot of your stuff up on Instagram, don't you? Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, if anybody wants to kind of follow progress of these things, it's uh, it's just uh, at Phil Paints stuff um, on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, I've got that. Um, I also primed um, Hackflem Scuttle Spike uh, just because, like, 
it's been sitting built for ages and I like the model. So that that's gonna get done. Um so I've got that those two are probably the next things I'm gonna do. And then I'm not sure after that, you know, I've got a couple of things I quite fancy kind of finishing off. There's a few things that I've got kind of just like little little bits to do. Like I've got yeah. a, one of ten plague bearers that literally just need a final highlight and blood effects, and that's it. They're done. Yeah, uh, I noticed you've. Um, I noticed in the background of some of your pictures, you've still got Bellicor, the Dark Master miniature sitting there. Yeah, he he's sitting there as well. So he's he's on the list as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, he'll he he's. I actually don't really need to do that much on him. Um, the bulk of the of the work on him's been done. You know, I just need to highlight the skin and do the metal um, and the, uh, do his horns and uh, bone plates and stuff like that. You know, he's he's not far, he's not that far off. So yeah, during my time off, I'm, I'm going to try and get a couple of these things finished. Uh, and then that, that's about it really. I haven't really kind of, um, <laughs> I've, I've added to the, the, the pile of shame. Uh, considerably yes. this month. <laughs> so, right. Well, right, uh, listeners, let's get to uh, the guts. Let's talk about money. As we remember, uh, last month I fucking screwed the pooch so badly with uh, with my Game of Thrones purchase. Um, well, do you want to guess what I've done this month, Phil? Uh, I reckon you've spent under a hundred quid correct and i reckon you've probably spent about 73 quid wrong is it less it is less by okay quite a bit okay 41 pounds less jesus that's a good month um, done well let's sit i still i think you're above 20 um, twenty-eight. Yes. Hey, twenty-seven pounds thirty-three to be exact. Um, yeah. So my purchases were literally pretty much just collateral damage of the gift vouchers that I won. Yeah. Um. So with the with the thirty euros, I went straight over to um scale seventy-five to have a look at their products. I've never, I've never bought anything from them, um, but looking through their their products, uh, you know, I guess I began to realise that always I have always seen a lot of their work, um, or work done with their stuff. So, two areas that I've wanted to work on myself are, um, oh, is it something I've mentioned in the podcast? I've 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 been picking up lots of busts for the past sort of yeah. two years. Yeah. yeah, so at some point I'm going to start on them. So I picked up the flesh paint set from Scale Seventy Five, and the, you know, so it's got what one, two, three, four. It's got like eight, eight shades of of skin and guides on how to do different different you know skin shading and stuff. Um, and it's something I really want to work on. And then in the same vein, I picked up another paint set from them. It's the wood and leather paint set. Mostly yeah. for the mostly for the leather aspect, um, and that one is not just for the busts, but there's a 
there's an idea I've got for a bolt action army, and it's uh, army from Finland, but they're all going to be wearing um, long brown leather jackets. Okay. Say it's, it's a pie in the sky thing at the moment, but because I've got so many other you know bolt action armies in between then and now that I want to do. Uh, but I thought you know wooden leather paint set. It's got guides on how to do leather and the. Uh, what was it? It was the it was the leather patches that you did on your Marauder Giant. Oh, aye, aye, that, that really, yeah, they really drew my cracked, attention. Cracked old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Um, that really drew my attention to uh, you know another method of, or sorry, another look as to how the jackets and stuff could look. And again, it will work well with the with the busts that I've got. So. After paying, you know, after using my gift voucher on them, uh, I just chuck in a little bit extra for postage because they came out of Spain, um, you know, which I, which I didn't mind. Uh, and then with Warlord Games, they had some of their Black Friday deals up early, and it was the sort of story of, you know, buy, buy three blister packs, get the cheapest one free. Um, so that's what I did. I bought a couple of, I bought three blister packs for a sort of future Japanese army that I'm going to do. And, um, you know, I applied the gift voucher to that, but obviously I had to pay a little bit of postage and make up a little bit of the extra, extra cash on the go. So yeah, but it came out around £27, pounds, £33. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that's you very much. Those yeah. scale 75 paints are, are pretty good. The, what I like about them um, is that they have a very, very matte finish. So And, and they, they go on well. Uh, what mm -hmm. I would say um, is get get an agitator in that bottle. Yeah. Because they are the thickest fucking paints in the world. <laughs> they don't come out the bottle particularly easily and they clog up, but with a bit of agitation... They do as a and as a result, they are a bit more difficult to um, airbrush without like right. getting your thinning uh, spot on with them. But yeah, they're they're really nice paints. I've got the um, um, is it golden copper set or whatever it is. Oh, uh, yeah, I, that, that was for, that was on my that was in my for, that was in my basket yeah, for, for a while. For non-metallic metal, though, uh, not yeah. the uh, aye. So yeah, and the the colours are great. You know, I think they're they do a good job with what they've got. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they've got some inter interesting stuff. I've heard some mixed yeah. mixed results out of there from other aye, other heard from other people mixed results of uh, their instant colours range, which is kind of like their contrast paints kind mm -hmm. of style. Stuff, but um, I've not tried them myself either. But the, the sets yeah. that they do, in particular, like the ones that you you've purchased, are really really nice, really good value. Yeah. I think. Good. No, okay. um, I'll I'll fill you guys in when I've used them. I mean, I'm I'm using quite a few new things this year. So, you know, through the um, ammo by Mike Jimenez, the obviously scale seventy five stuff now. Um, that's been a good been a good year of exploration into the. Some other aspects of the hobby, but that's all fucking window dressing, mate. So, like, what have you spent money on? Well, <laughs> well, every everybody's completely just fucked it for me this this month. Well, I say yeah. everybody. Games Workshop has fucked it for me this month. Yeah. So, 
Games Workshop. Now, I know they've brought out some Necromander stuff, and yeah. I know, obviously, they've brought out a decent amount of Blood Bowl stuff, including Star Players. Yep. <sighs> Plus, I know you've been hitting the eBay uh, yep. again, and all the listeners know already, but if you don't, myself and Phil never discuss uh, exact numbers with each other. We just give each other hints as to what we've bought. Yep. It's usually um, kind of like a, a, a sly kind of uh, sigh uh, style emoji or something yeah. like that in a, in a yeah, chat. Yeah, it's, it's usually just a quick messenger to each other going, yep, spent money, F- fucked, fucked it, fucked it. <laughs> okay. um, and we'll, tell, we'll, we'll say where we've been shopping, but we won't say exactly what. Um, but I know Phil's tastes, and I've seen the release. The releases come out. Um, two hundred and twelve pounds. Significantly more. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! <laughs> All right. So two hundred and ninety-three. No. <laughs> Keep going. Is more. Three hundred and thirty. No, more. Fuck off. I think I only get three guesses in the game. Oh, that, yeah, you do. Yeah. So, oh, Phil, what have you done, mate? Did you buy a 3D printer? No. <laughs> no, no I, I might as well have done for uh, for the money I spent. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, just shy of 400 by the time you add everything up. Um, Gee, no, really, mate? What the fuck did you buy? I know. I, so, I I, I, I'll my, cliff like note my, it. My 3D um, printer purchase in month was like, what, 500, 450, 500 pounds? Aye. Oh my god. So, so like, I'll tell you now, uh, over 200 of that was at Forge World. So this is, so I bought, I bought the, um, um, Creek uh, Rust Gouger and Wilhelm Cheney when they came out, plus I, I, I uh, there was a couple of other ones I wanted from the the group, so I thought I'll just get uh, go for the free postage and get over the seventy five. So I picked up uh, Glorial Summer Bloom and Gretchen Vactor at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was like that was like an eighty seven quid uh, purchase, but I didn't know at that point. Obviously, they were chucking down the uh, corn release <laughs> like a couple of weeks later, and uh, and also the Necromunda stuff and. Like the necro stuff was uh Cawdor stuff and like that's that's one of the gangs I, I like in Necromunda. So they had the Stig Shambler and Clovis the Redeemer and the and Deacon Malakev um release at the same time as the corn release. So I ended up getting the, the Blood Spawn as well and Scylla and Van Grimm. And the uh, so that that was a that was a hundred and thirty six quid, <laughs> and that wasn't even like I didn't even get everything because I forgot to add the corn booster to my uh, either with the two corn gores and the extra uh, marauder lineman. Um, yeah. I forgot to add that to my cart, so I have I haven't even purchased those. Uh, so that that that's that's two hundred quid just specifically on Forge World stuff. Like everything's just come out at the same time. 
on the other side of things. So I picked up, like, like I said, I got the corn team and I, there was a couple of paints I, I, I wanted to get as well. Um, so I got, I, I got them, um, and I got the cord spike. Or I say I got the cord spike. I still haven't got it. They, I ordered. I ordered the spike stuff on Warhammer Digital uh, because I, I can't be arsed carrying around like fucking twenty of these uh, little magazine things uh, mm-hmm. and trying to work out what's what's doing what. I'd rather have them on my phone or uh, or whatever. Uh, but uh, still undownloadable from Warhammer Digital because they're getting a, chucking out a server error. So I haven't got that yet. Um, what else did I get? So the rest of it's all eBay stuff. Um, so what did I pick up? Um, I, long long term listeners will be aware of the fact that um, I'm I've been collecting the uh, more time Carnival Carnival of Chaos stuff. Um, so that's the Nurgle uh, warband for more time. Um. And I managed to get like the actual um, box. Uh, I think it was two or three episodes ago. Um, I picked up the plague bearer that I don't have. I got I got him for a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Um, I also managed to get like I don't know if this guy was selling this and didn't know what it was, uh, but or he was just desperate to get shot of it um but he um he had the plague cart which is something i've been after for for a long time and you never see it shift for any any less than about maybe about 250 quid in the box new um i've seen it go for about 140 150 built but missing bits yep um, and a guy had it listed, painted, had the wrong horses and the wrong wheels, but those are things I can I can solve. Um, he had it listed for a hundred and a hundred, yeah, a hundred on uh, eBay, and it didn't sell the first week. It was on. What was it? He, re- um, he relisted it, a, it. Was it a buy it now, not a bin thing? Yeah, aye. So it was a um, a buy it now. He relisted it for a second week. Uh, but with a an an a of offer, uh, best offer thing, and yep. cheekily, I think last hour of its listing, I chucked a fifty quid bid in, fully expecting it to get chucked right back at me and told to fuck off. But uh, he accepted it, and I was like, oh, "Wow, wow!" wow. So yeah, I, that as much as I've spent everything, I, I'm happy I managed to pick that up. Um, so I, I got that, although. He sent it to me. You, you, you saw what uh, what it was sent to me in. Yeah. Uh, I've never had something packaged so fucking foolishly uh, by somebody. Um, if I'd wanted it for the paint job uh, and the fact it was a complete model, uh, I'd have been quite angry uh, because the thing was in bits when it got to me. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, but thankfully, I'm just going to be ripping it to bits anyway and stripping it. Yeah. So it's not, it's not as much of a big deal. Um, and there was no no kind of major damage to anything. But I I, I pick also picked up a couple of replacement horses uh, so that they were the right ones because um, it had the right heads and tails. It's just the bodies were were incorrect. He'd gone with a barded uh, 
Brutonian style ones rather than the uh, kind of medieval style ones uh, that are actually on it. So I picked up a, a set of them. I also managed to get a hold of um, so Marauder Miniatures did um, four Chaos Warriors um, back in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. Um, and three of them were were are kind of very readily available. I mean, you still end up paying about it's like it's anywhere between eight and fifteen quid for them individually. Uh, but there's an there's an unlisted one uh, that you don't see very often, and I've I've seen that go for like kind of somewhere between the region of thirty quid or thereabouts. It does get recast a fair amount, uh, so I'll I'll drop that in there, and um. I saw one as a buy it now on uh, on eBay for I think it was fifteen, and I thought you know so even if this, this is a recast, I I don't really care. You know, it's getting yeah. painted; it'll get used. Um, if it is a recast, it's a particularly good one. Um, so there's no loss of detail or odd size discrepancies or overly kind of noticeable. Uh, double mold lines or what have you but mm-hmm. um, I got that for less because I just chucked a, uh, an offer in on that so I got that for 12 quid as well so you know I, there's been uh, there's another couple of random bits and bobs uh, that, that I've bought but uh, yeah they're the big hitters and I know I've spent a lot of money but I'm happy so I couldn't give a fuck yeah Basically, that feeling. <laughs> like I've t- ticked off a couple of things. There's there's actually very little in the in the eBay, uh, like kind of sort of wants now. Of the older stuff, there's a few things here or there that I want to get a hold of. Um, I'm expecting next month's money will probably be less. I hope, <laughs> but uh, but there's still a few things that I I, I could quite easily pick up um and and crap out on that with as well but yeah no i like it i've had a look at all the stuff that i've got you know the the silla and grim models great i love it probably yep. never use it but it'll, it looks like it'll be fun to paint i really love the um the wood elf under his hand it's great um, the blood spawn looks better in the flesh, I think, than it does on the um, on the Forge World site as well. Um, That's good to hear. The corn team looks good. I like the look of it. It's nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's been good. Love it. Yeah. Well, I've I've already got expenditure lined up um, for next month. Hopefully I can put a, put a few controls on it um, and put a Kickstarter. Now that I've now that I've delved into Scale Seventy Five, uh, they've got a Kickstarter for a series of um, miniature painting books that I've um, stumped up. But that doesn't solve itself until the end of the month, so that'll fall into that'll fall into next month's. Um, Yeah, there's there's a few other a few other kind of things that have been, I mean, GW seem to be releasing a lot of stuff at the moment. Uh, I think they've kind of got over that kind of backlog 
and they've mm-hmm. got a load of things to just run out of space in a schedule to get things out without screwing it in a, in a more kind of long-term business kind of way. Um, so they're just chucking stuff out the moment. The Croxagore came out for the Lizardman team uh, last Friday, and uh, like I'll probably be buying that as well. And then there's... Uh, what else? The, there's a new Maggotkin uh, of Nurgle battle to him due in December for um, Age of Sigmar. Uh, that looks... I'll get that as well. And the, there's a new sorcerer, Nurgle sorcerer model as well, due out. So I am I am December so glad. December will be pricey, I think. I am so glad that I don't play other games, rock games, outside of Blood Bowl. So glad. <laughs> like, so, yeah, so glad. Um, although in saying that, you know, I'm looking at that big box of uh, a song of ice and fire. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess you could probably end up sort of in deep with those as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Especially really if you're collecting multiple armies. But that's the thing. I'll only know that. You know, as we move into next year. But um, you know, looking looking at what I got for the price I paid, I definitely want. You know, I've seen. You know, in the past month, I've joined a whole bunch of groups to start networking with people, and there's a separate trade trade groups mm-hmm. for it. And seeing stuff that I've got go for, you know, more than I paid for it. It's like, yep, that's that's a good, it's a good feeling to know you've got a bargain. Yeah, um, and especially when you don't have to be a you don't have to be a customs fee on top of it. Wow. Yeah, f- fingers crossed. You don't get hit with that later down the line because they do do that. Um... Well, the thing was, you know, to tie to tie up this section and to, to answer that question, that they held it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I followed the tracking, and it said it was being held at customs. And it said they were going to send a letter out because it was due a fee. So I waited a week. No letter appeared. I contacted them by phone, thinking it's like, oh, fucking, here we go. Um, Aye. But they said it's like, oh, oh, but no, some it's it's actually it's been waived. There's no fee to pay. Um, I'm really sorry, Mister Unicorn. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get that out to you today. Oh, I'm really sorry, if not today, then definitely tomorrow. And this was Friday afternoon. They could not yeah. have been more helpful, you know, at Parcel Force uh, Royal Mail. They genuinely could not be more apologetic or helpful. And the package arrived Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, less than 24 hours after the phone call, so they if they hit me with a customs charge, it's that would be quite rude. Yeah, I think you'll probably be okay there. Um, like, a, I had the misfortune of being hit with a customs charge for something um, and DHL didn't bother their arse sending it to me till, till nearly four months after I actually received it, so mm-hmm. And and they were absolute useless wankers about the whole thing as well. I ended up having to pay it. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it doesn't sound like you'll end up having to pay that, which uh, anything, not. which is great. Uh, um, that's good. That, that was pretty cool. So thank you to our listeners, both old and new, and to the rookie coaches for for bearing with us as we dribbled on about how much money we spent, how much money we didn't spend, and about games that we might have played that you don't care about. Uh, but now we're now we're going to get into the real the real money 
uh, and that is talking about the corn team and our rookie coaches section. I think Phil, you know, you can explain all the re-explain all the weird traditions to the to the new listeners and to the old listeners and how we do how we do this section. Yeah, so we go through um, both a te- uh, team roster for uh, league and for um, for tournaments as well. Uh, but we also cover a little bit of skill progression in the league and what skills we would take in a roster for, for tournaments. Uh, the team value for leagues that we kind of look at is from TV 1100 or 1, 1 million gold. And um, we use the the NAF championships as a kind of jumping off point for uh, the tournament rosters, of which case... It's actually quite easy now because until the NAF champs in twenty twenty two, the 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 rules there are um, six primary and one uh, secondary for all teams, regardless of what they are. Um. So yeah, and it's uh, TV eleven fifty uh, for that one as well. Yep. But we normally go th- we normally go through the roster um, to start with, and I believe it's my turn. Uh, yeah. For that. Yeah, you've, all got the re- this, you've got to do all the reading of the different positionals in the quarantine. So, crack on. Yeah, thankfully it's not a particularly lengthy one this time round. Um, although the the naming of some of the things is a bit strange. Um, so, um, your sort of zeros to sixteen positional um, on the corn team is the Bloodborne Marauder lineman. Uh, they cost 50k, uh, move 6, strength 3, agility 3+, plus, passing 4+, plus, AV 8+. Plus. They come with Frenzy as a skill to start. Um, they have primary access to general and mutation and secondary to agility and strength. Then you have 0-4 to four corn gores at 70k. Um, there, move 6, strength 3, agility 3+. Plus, Passing four plus AV nine plus, and they come with horns and juggernaut, and they have a primary access to general mutation and strength, and then secondary access to agility and passing. Then you have zero to four blood seekers. Uh, they're one hundred and ten k. Move five, strength four, agility four plus, passing six plus. Um, AV 10 plus and they come with frenzy and then primary access is general mutation and strength with secondary access as agility and then the big guy at 0 to 1 positional um, is blood spawn um, costs 160k move 5 strength 5 agility 4 plus no passing stat uh, AV 9 plus and then uh, the skills that it comes with are Claws, Frenzy, Loner 4+, Mighty Blow plus 1, and Unchanneled Fury. And then they have access to mutations and strength on primary and on secondary agility and uh, general. Um, they, the rerolls for corn teams are uh, 60k. Uh, they're classed as Tier 2 by GW. Uh, they have access to an Apothecary. And their special rules are favoured of corn. So that that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different from the um, 
the old corn team that originated uh, with cyanide uh, for Blood Bowl 1 on the PC um, and was adopted by kind of NAF rules around about the same time. Yeah. Uh, but not not wildly different. Um, there's still some of the the good old stuff in there. But I think it, it looks like an, it's an interesting team. It's kind of on a on a par with the Nurgle team, I guess, in that it's not maybe as um, immediate as some of the other teams out there in terms of how well well you could do with them. But I think I think they could develop okay. Definitely oh. a tier two team, though. <laughs> not tier one. So I, as far as rosters yeah. go, uh, like you, you can go with your uh, league roster first. Yeah, starting with a league roster. Um, so as 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 the rookie coaches know, we myself and Phil, we don't discuss our rosters beforehand when we present them to each other, uh, just so that we can get our our natural reactions, be they good, bad, or indifferent, um, to what the other is presenting. So for league. For one million, uh, so I picked up the blood spawn, one hundred and sixty. Uh, yep. Two, I went for two blood seekers, one hundred and ten each. Uh, yep. I then went for the, I went for the full four corn corn gores. I keep wanting yep. to call them corny gores. For some reason, <laughs> corny gores. Yeah. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I got just, four just corny call gores. Them that, yeah. Four it. corny gores. Uh, and then. Uh, the four linemen. Yep. And that brings me up to 11 players. And then I've got two rerolls and I dumped, I had some change for uh, assistant coaches. Uh, and I went with the assistant coaches based upon um, what you reminded me of last episode, which was on the the kickoff table. That seven is a. What's the one? It's the but what is it? What's it called again? It's the it's the, um, the re-roll. Yes, it's uh, brilliant coaching. Brilliant coaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant coaching. Uh, and okay. that brings me that brings me in at a million. Yeah, so I have got exactly the same as you, apart from I've sunk the twenty k that uh, was left as changed into dedicated fans. Right. Um, because having played, um. A, a sort of slew of games now uh, in the league. Um, the more dedicated fans you've got, obviously, the more money you get at the end of a game. Um, yep. So I, I've kind of used that as an opportunity to um, accelerate my purchase proce- uh, process. Mm-hmm. I, I know that this was a difficult one to kind of put together, and yeah, I think you really probably was. had the same issues as me. You know, like I had a look at just not having the the blood spawn but i think like the old um bloodthirster was in the naf uh cyanide roster i think the blood spawn's actually quite a good big guy um not sure about unchanneled fury uh versus uh wild animal uh yet uh but yeah i kind of wanted to have him in there um so and I, and I, the way I kind of looked at it, and maybe you've thought the same was like you know your first with the dedicated fans. So right, I'll, I'll kind of give you an idea of why I was adding the dedicated fans. Yeah, it's um, when you do your kind of um, fan set, it's D three plus your dedicated fans to give you the um, 
your fans and then you add that to your the equivalent on your opponent and then you you split the uh, that you times it by 10 split it in half um and that's how much you get so the way i was looking at that is you get one dedicated fan automatically so if i add two more the minimum money i'm going to get is probably about um so that, that's a guaranteed 30 uh, and even if we both roll double one, you know, I'm probably going to get 40, 50K after my first game mm-hmm. fairly easily. So that's me bought an Apple straight away. And then, then you just kind of keep... It's, it was easier to spend the money on two Bloodseekers, um, which come in at 220, and then get the team to where I'd want it to be in terms of the composition of max like the good positionals um than it was to buy the blood spawn two corn gores and an apple because that ran at 350k versus 270k yeah that's good logic um i think if i was if i was going down the route of using that in that thought process in a tournament, I'd have rather sunk that twenty k into assistant coaches for the reason that you you suggested. Mm-hmm. But it's still useful in the league because you've only yeah. got two rerolls. So well, that's that was my reasoning, and the the longer listening rookie coaches will know that I don't like two rerolls. I like three. Yeah. But, Whereas I'm happier, uh, happier with the two. I think, and and that's that's a good difference or point of difference between us when it comes to our roster creations. Uh, But when I was putting together this corn roster for league play, I I just couldn't, I just could not spin out the rerolls to start with. No, uh, there was, and and still have a reasonable lineup of players. That's it. You you were compromising even more. Uh, just to get the extra, <laughs> the extra yeah. reroll, it just didn't make sense, you know. I, no, I don't it just think couldn't it... couldn't be done. Yeah. Um, you know, this if, if if the rookie coaches are wondering, this is not a this isn't a beginner roster. If you want to try no. and do well, and you know, fuck me, I wouldn't even say it's an intermediate roster. I, you, you have to really know what you're doing. So when we start talking about how they play. You've got so much frenzy on the pitch that takes a a careful hand to um to manage that much in in gameplay. That really yeah. does. So I think I think from from that point, you know, yeah, yeah. On our rosters, you've got uh, six, seven frenzy players. Um, three of them you're going to be getting two dice hits minimum. Um, yep. And. Uh, with with them, if your position is great, the other four, you have to make sure you're not ending up in frenzy traps really easily. You know, and until you start skilling up the players, that's where you're going to lose your rerolls. You know, it's making stupid blocks or mistakes, and that that's where it's not a, a beginner friendly roster. I think the trap there is, uh, oh yeah, I can get two hits here, but then you you end up. Going from two to one, or, or or I've got yeah, or I've got two dice as as a hit here. I'll knock them down, double push or push skull, and then you're 
into one dice and your only armor eight plus with the the linemen um they're gonna die they're just slightly more liability than um thralls on a vampire team uh with the frenzy you know once they they start developing i think i think that pressure comes off a little bit um but yeah such such a kind of you need to be on your game with positioning and making sure you're you're getting your assists in the right places with this team for yeah. sure yeah it's a tricky one but with that being said those first five league games what um you know you've already touched on potential money and potential purchases yeah, uh, of what you would do moving forward. But what about skill skill development for your your players? What would you so be I looking think, to do? I think that this is a for the blood spawn. This is a this is a a big guy that's worth getting saving up the the SPP and taking block um, as a ch- uh, chosen secondary um, because that frenzy is going to give you issues. <laughs> like uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, and having him a bit more reliable. Um, I mean, you could do could uh, go away from that and go down the juggernaut route um, or uh, brawler, but uh, I I still think blocks a good choice on this on that one. You're not going to hit that within five games, I don't think. Um, I'm having the same thought process with the the mummies on the shambling undead at the moment and i'm not far off choose getting a a chosen primary uh, sorry a chosen secondary with them and going Mm -hmm. down the block Um, i'm I'm at five games now and i still don't have that you know i think i'm six or eight points on both of them you know it's um but I i think after that if you do get really lucky with casualties and stuff early on or mvps um, you know, I mean, horns is a good choice for having mutations. Um, to get back to the old uh, uh, six uh, six strength on a blitz. Um, not not sure what else though. You know, that might be one that further down the line I would rinse and repeat uh, to cut TV. I, I I really don't know. I I hadn't really kind of thought much further ahead on that one. Mm-hmm. The blood seekers. With them, this is going to be a running theme, and I think it's quite an obvious one. But I think if you've got frenzy on a player, and you don't have block. Put block on it as your first <laughs> skill, <laughs> because it's going to fuck you if you don't. Uh, so I think block block on them is a is a good idea, you know. And then I would kind of um, if you get up to the second third skills with them, alternating guard and mighty blow on those guys is probably the best the best route early on. Uh, it'll give you the Guard, guard um, will give you the a bit more reassurance around frenzy traps um, if you can push people into the right places. So yeah, I think guard guard's a big one there, and, and might blow obviously help with removals. You could go guard on both them early on, and then um, give the the mighty blow, and then put mighty blow on the next two, um, or you could just go full guard. Um, the corn gores are interesting because I saw myself building um, three different types. Um, one is a primary ball carrier, 
um, with uh, block uh, as the first skill, um, and sure hands as a second skill, and then further down the line, extra arms maybe, um, because they've got the mutation access. Um, you could even go down the uh, two heads route with them, Sim similar to how I would with um, Pestigores, I think. I would make make sure I had a ball handler. Um, I think I would probably go down a killer route as well uh, with the with block again, and then looking at stuff like mighty blow, um, maybe claw and tackle um, as well. And I would probably want a wrestle one uh, with uh, um, tackle and strip ball. Now. That's a lot to get in five games. Well, yeah. So I mean, if you're looking at that, like th those are kind of basic progressions, and it would depend yeah. on what uh, what was in the league as to which route would come first in terms of individual players. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I would be looking at that those kind of lines for the core and gores yeah. myself. But they are like, they're, all, I, they're so, all planned planned primary progressions. Yes, all all planned primary. Um, I like the fact they've got juggernaut. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. it does help. And I think you'd kind of maybe want to utilize Fred, uh, sort of push down the frenzy route on that, but maybe only on one of them or two of them. Uh, because uh, for pitch control and, and potential surfs, because you've already got like so much frenzy on the team, you, you don't really need it on those guys. But there is the odd, there is the, the synergy with Juggernaut and. Uh, and frenzy were just pushing folk off the side on a, um, a both down. But yeah, I, I think from two squares away. But yeah, I, I think the next so the the Marauders block. <laughs> like, oh, you wouldn't give anything any of anything else. I think you're probably going to have if you max out the rest of the positionals, that gives you nine players. You're probably going to have a maximum of four of them anyway, maybe less, um, depending on TV. So yeah, you run at twelve players. You might consider putting dirty player on one uh, for extra removals, but they're going to die. Like they're either going to kill themselves <laughs> on failed blocks early on, and you're going to be sitting with uh, loners for a a while until you start buying things like the Bloodseekers or they're going to get smashed by something with Mighty Blow um, I don't think it's worth stacking anything I don't think it's worth going down the random route with them I know we've discussed randoms on lineman positionals before but um, the random route doesn't work with the liability of Frenzy I don't think personally I don't. I don't think I would. I would go down randoms for them. How about yourself? Um, well, look, we've got the same roster in terms of players, so that's a good start for the, the comparison. Um, for the blood spawn brawler, for me, a cheap cheap man's block. I would get that in, and then uh, looking a little bit further down the line, down the line, um, I would get guard. So they're both. Primary strength skills. Uh, yeah. so I fully understand that Brawler cannot be used with a Blitz. It's only using a block. And that's yeah. okay. That's okay. Because I don't 
the way I'm looking at playing the line, the line, the sort of league, the league play, uh, the Bloodsborne wouldn't be doing the blitzes. I would be using the um, Cornigors to do that with Horns and Juggernaut. Um, yeah. And also not wanting to waste a blitz on the potential of an unchanneled Fury fail. Uh, that sort of shit drives you up the wall. I know you get a bonus to the roll, but don't roll a fucking one. So, um, you know, let's not let's not go into that. But Brawler and Guard, uh, the two Bloodseekers um, block. Yep, yeah, you have to put block on them to start with, and then look ahead. Um, I would agree with you, Mighty Blow. Just make two, two good strength four killer pieces, and then as the team progresses, obviously more Bloodseekers will come in and you can tune them to fit, but, you know, starting roster block in the first five games. Uh, the four Cornigors, I I actually had a similar sort of theme going with yourself, so you need to need to get a ball carrier in there, so pure hands for somebody. Uh, creating one killer, um, so mighty blow block would be a good one. And then having the other two a uh, block guard combo as their sort of all planned primary um, primary skill progressions. Yeah. The lineman, the I, lineman I, like, I like that guard. Yeah, I like that guard on those. Uh, just yeah. the same sort of because they're quite mobile pieces. I mean, they're they're, they're a bit that more was, resilient than the the lineman. Yeah, that was yeah. that was my thought. Is that there's almost like two, two offensive parts to the team. The Bloodspawn and the Bloodseekers are working together in the middle of the line, the middle of the pitch, just sort of grinding out kills. And then the Cornigors are running about on the, on the wings, uh, obviously trying to move, get the ball moving, um, and then obviously needing to support each other with sort of block, guard, mighty blow, sure hands, that, that whole combination. So they're the, they're the four players in my mind that are hustling the ball and that are going to be getting your touchdowns. Uh, yeah. And when I, when I get to the I line, always... Juggernaut as well. Yeah, I think with yeah. Juggernaut and the Corgors, uh, I think you could probably uh, chance go and sure hands first rather than block as well, yeah. Uh, that's, because... that's what I've got, is one, one yeah. gets... If they, to each get one skill, it would be sure hands, block, block, mighty blow, and then the next set of skills would be Guard on the blockers and then um, sure block on the sure hands and block on my blow, but that's all sort of pie in the sky stuff for you know later on in the league. Uh, the linos, I um, I've got block, block and wrestle, uh, sort of running down them um, if you get the opportunity to do it, and you know what. To be the weird, not weird, but I would have one of them as an experimental test piece and just random, random mutation skills them, uh, depending on what the what the uh, how the money situation was. And you know, actually, you know what? Even if the money situation was shit, I would still just randomly be rolling mutations on them because, as you look through it, um. You know, there's only a few mutations in there that would be a bit annoying, like to get that you don't want. Iron, iron hard skin, monstrous mouth, that'd be pretty shit. But 
Monster's <laughs> Mouth isn't actually that bad because uh, it's got the um, um, it's got a reroll for a catch and strip ball can't be used. I, I think it's not it's not a yeah, it's but not, he's aw- it's not an awful one. It'll be less than I optimal. Think, yeah, but I if think you with ma- the stinkers there, yeah. If you manage so, to pick up tentacles and disturbing presence, those would be the two that would be. You know, they they make they make your opponent they make your opponent's dice rolls you know more difficult, or they make them roll dice. Yeah, yeah, and that has that has been very well annoying. To be shit as well. Yeah, so yeah, but then that's that's, guys. that's when you just be running them in to kill them, you know, to get them dead. But yeah. um, you know what? Just, yeah, there's, just there's, the, there's a few in there that are fine. Yeah. But it's just to take advantage of the fact that they can access mutations and, you know what, just fucking throw a random one in there, see what happens to them. If he turns into a big fucking, you know, sloppy Giuseppe, then just sack him. But if all of a sudden he's, you know, got horns, then, you know, picking up horns, that's, that's all right. He can be a bit of a, he can be a bit of a, um, sort of cheap... Cheap looking corny gore, then all of a sudden, yeah, with horns. Um, think, but that's 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 how yeah. I would that's how I would play it out um, in league play. So, uh, I feel quite reassured after having spoken about that with you. I wasn't convinced um, about that roster. Actually, you know what? I'm still not convinced about that roster. Rookie coaches would no, I it's buy gonna a- be- it's going to be a tough... Yeah. yeah. Would I buy a corn team? Would I play a corn team myself? No. I just wouldn't. It's not my thing. Um, and the reasons why, there's too much frenzy to try and balance out, and it's just another element of thought that I could just do without. I think I think I would... Uh, well, I have bought the team, uh, but I think I would would play them. But, I mean, you know, you know what I'm like. I, I like a good... Uh, uh, Team with a bit of uh, challenge, you know, playing Nurgle quite a bit and um, and that sort of stuff. So I think mm-hmm. I would probably give the corn guys a, a run. What what I don't like is um, the fact that you kind of you can't get any close anywhere close to max strike positionals until you're you're quite deep in your first season. And, and I think uh, the um, I think the redraft would probably hurt you quite a bit as well, but. It'd be interesting to see how they played out. I'm considering taking them as the next my next team in the league. Um, yeah. I think it's a toss up between them, Underworld, and Skaven, um, at the moment. So yeah, yeah, I'll, I I like them. There's some nice things about them, uh, but I think they would be a tough play for sure. Yeah, they don't they don't excite me. So. Moving on from the league side of things, uh, the tournament rosters. So just just to kind of refresh that uh, in our minds again, the uh, we use the NAF rules. Um, TV's eleven fifty, and it's six primary skills and one secondary skill. Um, so what what did you take for that? Oh, mate, I think I fucked it. 
<laughs> you say this every time, but you no, don't always. No, like, no, 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 not every time. Not every time. I think I'm still having flashbacks <laughs> to what was it, Underworld? I did or. Uh, yeah, the, the Underworld one was not good. When uh, I really fucked yeah, um, I have gone for four Bloodseekers, four Cornigors, five Linos, three Rerolls, comes out at 1150 on the nose. Okay. Right. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I've 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 gone Bloodspawn, four Bloodseekers, four Corn Gores, three Marauders, two rerolls, uh, and that comes in eleven fifty on the nose. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yes, no. I'm pretty sure it does. Let me just double check my uh, arithmetic. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that is uh, 11.50 on the nose. Um, do 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 intermission, cheesy lift music. Do do do. Yeah. Builders One one five oh. Yeah. Okay. I know you like your. Th- I know. I know you like your third re-roll, So I can see why you've kind of got. I love a third re-roll. Um, my. Before we jump into the skills. My reason in here is that big guys, I am, you say the big guy's not the worst, I don't like them. And I think at tournaments, at a tournament with with this guy, he's just a point sink. And that when he fucks it, he goes on the deck, and then your team's going to get overrun. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced. You could say, you could say that about a rat ogre with a Skaven team, or a Minotaur or the Chaos team. I think you're down the same route with both both of those. I think he offers the same sort of things yeah. in terms of what he's he's there for as both of those as well. You know, I think like the re- the reason I've included him is because of that. Like he's additional pitch control, and uh, that's where my doubles go in, or my uh, secondary skill rather. Yeah. Well, let's look like. Um, um, I guess I'm justifying not having that big guy, just because I think it's. I think yeah. I made a mistake, but um, let's let's talk about skills. Well, actually, sorry, that's a lie. Um, no, no, it's, let's let's talk skills. Yeah. What are your what's what's your skill set then? So, uh, for my secondary, I've got my block on the blood spawn. Um, the other six primaries are, are split as follows. Uh, I've got, got my two guard on blood seekers. Um, yeah. And I've gone with block on, on one corn gore, wrestle on one corn gore, sure hands on one corn gore, and tackle on one corn gore. That's me. Okay. For me, I have got three block on the Bloodseekers. Mm-hmm. And I then leave one naked. Then two of the Cornigors get block. 
one of the Cornigors gets Pure Hands, and the last Cornigor gets Guard. So I've used all primary for the seven skills. Okay. And the five linemen are naked. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the three linemen that I've got are literally there to make up the numbers. So, I mean, I've, I've yeah. well, I mean, I've got a 12 player roster, uh, but the three are literally there to add an assist to something, you know, like, mm-hmm. or make a cheeky uh, foul if uh, I am, I'm a hunt player at any point. Um, like the my, my thought process around the the corn gores were like I wanted one block as a primary blitzer, you know, like that that'll be the the likely uh, blitzing point each turn. Uh, but I also wanted a couple of toolbox players, um, if I came up against a particular team. So that's why I chose the wrestle on one and the tackle on the other. And my my thought process with that again is. They've all got juggernaut, so it gives me options of things to do. You know, like mm-hmm. I can, I can either push somebody into a better position that, so that I can then surf them with a a blood seeker or even a, a marauder lineman if need be. Um, and then one with sure hands, obviously, because you can only get the two re rolls in 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 my roster. And I thought, well, sure hands at least kind of gives me a a skill to pick up the ball uh, with a re roll. Um, so that that was kind of I did toy with the idea of putting rather than guard on the the bloodseekers, put in um, block on them. Uh, I think that might be a it's a hit or miss choice. I think that the guard I, th- I thought kind of helped me avoid getting out out strengthed a little bit. Um, yeah, I didn't think one was enough. Um, but they will get bogged down. But it, there's four of them, and two of them have got guard. So I'm almost kind of making it easier for myself to make sure I get the two dice hits with that frenzy. You know, it's yes, that's going to cause problems at some point in a game or through a tournament. I'm pretty sure there'll be a, a double skull or a double both down or a skull both down uh, that'll burn me a reroll. Um, but yeah, um, I think I could manage that myself what was your thought my thought it was I guess uh, a little bit of an evolution from the from the league play so I can see the four blood seekers in the middle of the pitch just carving shit up with uh, with, you know strength four three block and then you've just got I've got the naked one just lending an assist here and there Uh, the corner goes are out making the plays you know, so I've got two with block, one with sure hands, one with guard, uh, trying to support each other through through it. And then I've got got the linemen, and I've got five of them. Uh, so I've got a bit of a bit of a bench, and um, they're out fouling. They're out fouling, or they're yeah. out um, taking a few a few risks to try and um, surf surf some people off the pitch, which is where the the three rerolls. Uh, you know, are coming into play. So it's, uh, you know, the strategy for corn is always about miniature removal anyway. Um, I'm just doing it in a different way without the big guy. I just see the big guys being too much, too much of a failure. Uh, but that might be, 
you know, I know you've mentioned that it's the same sort of idea of a rat ogre, but the Skaven team can still play without the rat ogre. They can still move the ball about reasonably well. Uh, you know, their blitzers are pretty, you know, solid pieces as well. Um, whereas I, I think, I think the big guy here, I just, I'm not convinced. Uh, and I'm based See, I, don't that. Think, I don't think they'll lose anything. So, like, you know how you're saying the, the rat ogre, obviously, Skaven, they don't lose, they can play without one, and they can play yeah. pretty well without one, but they lose the pitch control and the, from from a, an aggressive point of view, and they lose the prehensile tail. Um, so there are there is a depending on your play style it depend it what you you will fall down one or the other I guess in terms of you will either take a rat ogre or you won't. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the blood seeker. I don't think you lose anything by taking him. Really, the blood the blood spawn you mean? Like, blood blood spawn. Yeah, sorry. Um, I don't think you lose anything by taking him. The only thing I mean you're losing a reroll, but. I mean, I, I, I say, I, I can manage that. I, I know there's people out there who don't like running light on rerolls, but um, and it's probably not an easier route for newer players. But if you're a newer player, I would not suggest using this team at a tournament unless you just want to play for fun and you you are happy with losing quite easily to much more experienced players running yeah. higher tier teams. Um. I don't know. I I like the the fact that it's got the the claws and the mighty blow. Although they don't stack together, they still work in synergy with each other against mm-hmm. high AV teams. So you, he is a can opener still. Um, the fact he's got friends, he gives him the pitch control. You know, like give him block. He's a bit more reliable. I think he would do. He has the potential to do the damage against like your. Um, Matchups against other chaos teams, or teams with big guys, or teams with high armor like dwarves and stuff. Um, yeah, look, I'm... I think you, that that's that was my angle. But I mean, I I could definitely play without him. I think I just don't think he. I think you lose quite a lot without him. You yeah. get where I'm coming from. Uh, generally, though, I'm not, I'm not convinced of Corn anyway as a team. Um, as a team, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, write a roster to suit my own playstyle, and, you know, my playstyle is to have three rerolls, and that's sort of that's kind of the thing I, I mark down first when I'm putting a roster yeah. together, and then, you know, it's whatever money I've got left that's what creates the team. Uh, so you know, it's corn. Obviously, aren't a team that is going to suit me personally, um, and that's up to the rookie coaches to experiment. You know, with their friends um, at local clubs or local leagues. You know, just to see what what matches their playstyle before. You know, they jump into playing corn at a tournament. Uh, you know, your your first game with corn should not be. You know. Game one, round one of an event—that'd be fucking nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you would you would probably be on a hiding to nothing unless you were a really, really experienced player. Um Yeah. And if you're a really experienced player, then you're not a rookie coach. So you shouldn't be listening to us. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, I think I, I think I think uh, experienced players should still be listening to us because every every we might we might come up with something that they hadn't thought of. Well, if you look at the comments section and the inbox, obviously we come up with fried gold because nobody tells us we're wrong. Yeah, I don't think I've had anybody tell tell us our rosters are our roster choices are wrong. Nope. Somebody means- definitely said your uh, your your <laughs> underworld roster was wrong. <laughs> exactly. So. I, I have only been wrong once in 20 episodes. Exactly. That's pretty good. Yeah, That's no, pretty I've not good. been wrong at all. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. No, so, I, I think you're right. This is, a, this is not a, a roster for everybody in terms of like the team in general. You know, yeah. There's a lot of people who just will not be able to play this um, and get something out of it. Um, yeah. For so, sure. With that being said, I am... Um, the next thing we do is we sort of dip into their star players, who they can, and is anybody worthwhile thinking about? Yeah, so they get, there's three new star players. There's, I uh, say new, uh, new to this edition. Uh, there's Grashnak Blackhoof, who is a Minotaur. Uh, he can play for any of the favoured of teams. Um... I don't think he's changed much since 2016, although he's got Unchanneled Fury and he's got a, a special rule uh, about rolling an additional block dice mm-hmm. regardless of the strength of the opponent. Um, so effectively he'll get a three dice block um, all the, uh, guaranteed on, on both uh, the Frenzy uh, blocks. Even if it's against a big guy, which is quite nice, he's coming at two hundred and forty k. Um, who were the other ones? Um, Scylla and Grimm. He was a a new one in Blood Bowl twenty sixteen. Uh, I don't think he's changed much either. He's got Unchanneled Fury as well. Um, he looks okay at two hundred k. The model's better than the uh, the star player is, I think. I think he's a nice model to have. Would I use him in a game? Probably not. You know, he's a, mm. looks like a looks like a decent budget version of uh, of Grashnak because he's a forty k cheaper. Um, and his on uh, his special rules there once per game. He he can um um perform two block actions instead. If he fails his uh, unchanneled fury on a roll of a one, um, so that, that that's quite interesting. Um, and then the other one's Max Spleenripper, who's a an old star player. Uh, he's definitely not changed really, other than his special rule, uh, which allows yeah. him to make an extra chainsaw attack, which is quite smart. Um, yeah, but, I am. Um, I would. Yeah. I would be tempted to take him because if you've, I would if you've take got, him. Sorry, on you go. I was just going to say he's just cheaper than a wizard, and if you just fall short yes. from getting a wizard, then you would take him. 
Absolutely. The, I need for the cheaper, cheap. Sorry. Yeah, yeah on you go. You're going, you're going to say the same thing. I'll be going He's cheaper than uh, Helmet as well. And he is strength four, uh, so he's a little bit. You have to put more uh, into getting rid of him. Exactly, and um, and that double chainsaw attack, you would you'd open with that. Yeah, I mean, if you've got an option to do that off the line, or yeah. or what have you, or a cha- or if if you do it cleverly, uh, you could chainsaw as your block. And then have have had somebody knock somebody else over next to you, and then chainsaw somebody on the ground. Uh, so you've got uh, as a foul. So yeah, well, there's good options for yeah. them. Yeah, I think so. They they all play for all of the the favoured of teams. Uh, so they'll all play for Nurgle as well. Um, would I take any of them for Nurgle? Yeah, maybe maybe Max. Not the other two though, mm-hmm. and then the other the other ones that are are eligible are Acorn the Squirrel, um, Clark Smashrip, Bracken Crumbleberry, Hackflem, Helmet Wolf, Lord Borak, and Morgan Thorg, and I think I would take Hackflem if I had the money. Um, Acorn's fun as well. Um, yeah. I would take Glart, probably, especially if like the blood spawn was out, uh, and I had enough inducements to take Glart as a as another option. Um, I think I would probably take Helmet, but I wouldn't take Helmet over um, Max. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take Max instead. Uh, Borak maybe with um, the dirty player plus two. Uh, I think I think that's an interesting one, um, and yeah, I think Morg. Would I take Morg? Yeah, probably. I'd probably take Morg as well. Yeah, there's some good star player options there. Some of them add different dimensions to the team that they just don't have. Yeah. Uh, but if I had 130k um, kicking around, I think I would take Max Spleen Ripper. Although the model is shit. Yeah, but then you're just any sort of good hobbyist. You just have a generic, um, you know, yeah, evil-looking guy with a chainsaw just to stand in. I think I think that's the way I would convert something. Is uh, yeah, I, he's the opposite of the the Scylla, uh, star player. The star player itself is shit. The model looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They can't get it right all the time, and obviously, no, everybody's taste everybody's tastes vary as well. There'll be folk yeah. out there who love the Max Spleen Ripper model and hate the Scylla one. So, well, the great thing There's about no right or wrong here, folks, except you guys. About, except you guys. The great thing about Blood Bowl for us, though, is that there's so many third-party miniature companies um, that produce, you know, yeah. people with chainsaws. Uh, yes. And and then you've got the uh, you know different coaches that are good hobbyists as well, um you know like like the two of us, and we can create chainsaw miniatures out of you know our bits box and spare miniatures that are just lying around that you know can then adapt to fit you know whatever teams we've got. I know I've I've got one generic chainsaw guy 
that I just use to represent whatever chainsaw model I'll, I'll use at any particular time. You know, generic-looking yeah. human guy, and then I've got a generic-looking goblin guy with a chainsaw as well. Yeah. I mean, I've got... Um, I've converted, uh, converted a flint churn blade model. He obviously doesn't exist anymore at the moment, yeah. but um, I I had plans at some point to convert a Max Spleen Ripper, uh, a, a Nurgle version, um, to run with my Nurgle team anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll go down that route, uh, and he would just be used as my Max Spleen Ripper. Um, and yeah, I've got a gener- generic human. Uh, for Helmet Wolf as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there, there, where there's a will, there's a way. And like Al said, there's there's so many good third party as well. That even if you don't like the GW stuff, there is something out there that will suit your tastes. And it's, it's classic, you know, like everybody fucking moans about, oh, GW's models are shit or whatever, or they're too expensive. Imagine there was a an embarrassment of riches out there of things that you can go and buy that are different and you don't have to fucking moan about it. Oh, wait, there is. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> buy something and play with it, and don't be a cunt. That's yeah. the general rule of that. It really should be. So the final thing, though, yes. to discuss about Corn is uh, what's their ability to win a tournament? Obviously, you know, we <laughs> give our score out of 10. 10 being nailed on for the win, 1 being, no. What's your What's your number for them? Five maximum. I am um, I'm nailing them on as a four, with a five being the the, the ceiling uh, that they would get to. Uh, if you got a slightly elevated rules pack that allowed you to take, um, hack phlegm instead of the blood spawn, I think they would be quite a good, uh, a decent enough team that you, where you could potentially win something. So all you need in there is another 20k. So if you had a TV um, 1200 rule pack, yep. you would be able to squeeze Hack Flem in there. But I mean, I, I, I think it would be very much rule pack dependent. I think yeah. for me, um, I don't see anybody winning a tournament with this team unless the rule pack favours the team. Or yep. the coach is an exceptional coach, and they are playing against a, a a slew of chumps all the way through it. You know, like I just yep. I, it's a it's a crapshoot with these guys. I think you'd need to know yeah. what you were doing. And as for the rule pack for the NAF for the NAF champs, you will not see a corn this a corn team win the NAF championships, or you will no. not see a corn team in the top twenty. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see a, a a corn team much higher than sort of middle middle ground. I think. Yeah, and how many how many players are at the NAF champs? Two hundred and twenty. Fuck knows, it's two hundred. I think this uh, two hundred yeah. plus this time. Yeah. Yep. So. so yeah, not going to be. I a think thing. I think they're not great. I think what will happen as well is a lot of folk will take them not. Uh, not having listened to our podcast and heeded our advice uh, as they nice models and stuff like that, and they'll end up doing really shit with them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, they're really yeah they're gonna suck at some tournaments, and I think 
if you do well at the NAF Championships next year with a Cord team, um, good on you. You're a good player. Yep. <laughs> but I think if, if, there's, if, if there's any listeners who have friends that are thinking about taking a Corn team to the NAF Championships and haven't listened to our podcast, you're duty-bound to make them listen to our podcast so that they don't take Corn. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, I think there will be people who will like like a challenge, like be able to tick it off, like trying something new, and that that's great, you know, like just go for it. Um, I know, I know, there's people out there who will want to give them a bash, but it's going to be a tough slog over six games against a good field, um, to get something out of them. Yeah, well, of course, um, there'll be yeah. there'll be other coaches that will have listened to our other episodes discussing other teams that are better and they'll take those better teams and do well. So what are you doing? Yeah. Go into our back catalogue of twenty episodes and have a listen. So I mean I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that this is the worst team that, that GW have ever created because I think the actual team itself, the way that they've set it up is quite nice. You know, I I, I don't it's not like I said, it's not much of a departure from the the corn roster that we know, but um, or knew uh, from previous, but they, yeah, they, they are legitimately a bottom end tier two team. Yep. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say that they're they're not that different from some of the some of the other hard ones to play. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how folk do with them. So. Write in and tell us you've won your local tournament with them. Uh, tell us, tell us you you went five uh, zero with them. Whatever, just tell us. Tell us we're wrong. Make yep. Al and I pay. Make us suffer. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I think that's that's a, a good point to kind of wrap the rookie coaches section up. That is. That is. Um, um, we just got the best endeavors for next next month. Yeah. Best endeavors. Well, I think I, I touched on what I'm aiming to get done in terms of a hobby and stuff. Uh, the you know getting the paint on the the commission black orc team and just sort of starting to work on the the tail ends of of leftover projects. Um, so I'm not going to commit to anything more more than that. To be fair, although as I, as I should say, I'd never got my three D printer out of his box again for another month. Um, so I really want to get that done before Christmas because that's pissing me off. Uh, I still haven't yeah. shuffled shuffled groups of boxes out of my hobby room. It's still like a little fort of of boxes full of stuff. Um, so I, I but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's you know still trying to settle a house that. We moved into almost a year ago. Uh, there's still boxes in all corners of the home, um, and I'm beginning to wonder what's in them all. Because uh, if we've managed to live for a year without you haven't needed them, them for a year, yeah, yeah, it's like what what fucks uh, in you? You know, I can I know what my hobby stuff is because I've got it in clear perspex boxes, so I know what's in there. Uh, I'm just wondering what's in the rest of them. It's kind of freaky. Mystery but, shit. Mystery shit. Uh, the 
look, I'm not planning on doing anything crazy gaming wise. Uh, I've got a lot of games the, for bolt action arranged for the end of November at uh, the Common Ground Games, the local gaming store in Stirling. That is my uh, going to be my local haunt now moving forward. And there's been quite a few players that have only played a handful of bolt action games in the local area. And I think, you know, there's been times when they've been put off because it's all been quite competitive focused. Uh, so I've, I've managed to arrange a game with a couple of newer players. And I'm just going to take a nice, friendly list and just walk them through the game to make sure that their sort of first experiences are, are good fun and um, they get some knowledge to build upon uh, you know, to move forward so they can enjoy their gaming. And they don't run into yeah. they don't run into a player that's sort of, you know, gung ho, you know, tournament focus, must win, 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 win. Uh, I look at these games as a good opportunity to take stuff out of the cabinet that you know, isn't all those cool tournament terms, it's not points efficient, it's not you know, it's not part of the meta, it's not gonna, you know, synergize with all the other stuff that you're gonna take. You know, I'll just be the, you know, the rule of cool. Because I've got lots of units that I've never, never played in a tournament level game for my Germans, especially. I've got them in the collection because they look fucking cool. You know, Tiger tanks look cool, but don't take them in a tournament because they're shit. <laughs> but that's but that's that's going to be my next month, uh, and obviously as well, you know. The rookie coaches and yourself understand that we're on the run up to Christmas now, so personal yeah. time gets soaked up with family and all that dumb stuff that isn't wargaming. Aye, that's right. That is right. It's shit. Aye. Aye. Should be tournaments it's, every uh... weekend. <laughs> aye, aye. That would definitely be... Uh... Marriage ending, I think. Yeah. Um. Oh, on on my side, um, I think I touched on what I'm going to be planning on doing painting wise uh, for the next wee while as well. Uh, but as as far as playing goes, I've got the last game of the November event for the Aberdeen Blood Bowl League. Um, that's this week coming, and then, um. I think I've got an intro game booked with one of the newer players uh, for the week after that, which I'll confirm with him uh, for the same reasons that you're uh, that you're discussed. Uh, like it helps kind of uh, alleviate people's fears that it's not necessarily all about uh, sort of being overly competitive, and it's more about mm -hmm. having fun as well. Um, and then. I might might have a couple of games of the December event before the next podcast, and then myself and Hipster Potter are going round to um, Brian's house, Brian Amroth's house, uh, to play Stargrave at some point oh, in the cool. next couple of weeks. So yeah, we'll be rattling that off. Um, so you should have a chance to to roll some dice on that. Uh, which I'm looking forward to, uh, just to get a bit of a taste of it. 
Did you see, uh, just a, as a slight aside here, um, did you see that uh, Joseph A. McCulloch's got a new um, skirmish game out called uh, the, the Silver Bayonet? I keep seeing it pop up in my different social media feed, feed, um, feeds. And I thought it was just some sort yes. of weird spam. What the fuck is it? It is um, a Napoleonic gothic horror. Oh, no. Um, it looks really good. Yeah, in a, a kind of skirmishy sort of thing, in a similar sort of sense to Frostgrave and and Stargrave, just obviously the setting's different. Um, but yeah, I it, uh, the the book looks really nice. Actually, I'll probably end up picking it up at some point. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, it it's of interest. Yeah, sure. I, I don't think the the setting doesn't really float my boat. Yeah, you know, as I as I sort of moved into a little bit of historical war game, and Napoleonic doesn't doesn't excite me as an area. As a but you know, I think it's I think it's kind of well that that's it. Yeah, if the timeline doesn't really kind of do much for you, that's that's not uh, not going to help. But I think uh, the fact that like any of the of his games, it's fairly loose on what you can and can't use for miniatures, with it being miniatures agnostic. Um, I think you could probably get away with just playing the rules with sort of more fantasy kind of looking things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not. Would I go out and buy a metric fuck ton of Napoleonic era style miniatures? No, but no. would I buy the rules and play with something that that works visually with it? Probably. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, see, see what see what it's like. I, I, I it, it's something that I, I'm getting quite into these kind of, well, especially his books because they're, they're they're quite well written. Like you, you've got the Stargrave book as well. Yep. Um, and the the flow and the rules process looks really good. You know, so I'll have a better idea after I've I've chucked some dice at Stargrave, but uh, and I'll report back on that in the next podcast. But um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it and and seeing what it's like. Um, so yeah, that that's it for me really. I think uh, everything else will just be like you said, um, taken up with family time or or whatever. Yeah, well, I think in that sense as well, we should just let the rookie coaches know that our um, next episode when we record in December, we are going to do a bit of a uh, reflective. Reflective episode um, back over the the past retrospective. year. Retrospective, reflective. Yeah. See, that's that's the wine talking now, mate. Talking shit. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna see if we can get a few, a few of our other local coaches on board um, to have a chat with us and get their opinions on how Blood Bowl second season has progressed uh, in this sort of second year of um, COVID restrictions and. Just get some some other voices on the podcast for you to listen to. So, uh, I guess for this year, yeah. in terms of rookie coaches, unless unless they bring out another team next month, which fucking uh, who knows? You never know. Yeah, never know. Um, we'll just be doing a retrospective chat. So, if there are any rookie coaches out there that have got any hot topics or um, you know, questions they want to ask of myself or Phil. 
uh, you know, be it opinions or personal questions or sexual preference, we'll we'll um we'll open up the forum um and answer your questions on our, our December podcast. And I would also like to remind Ricky coaches that back in episode one, we also offered you a service of selling you um dirty underwear. Not a single pair's been sold. What the fuck? I don't. I, did we not kind of dis, dispense uh, dispense with the the concept of selling as well? I was pretty sure you were quite happy to give away some uh, just for the cost of postage, would, and, yeah. and zero people zero people have asked. Wow. Uh, in fact, I've sent yeah. more sets of dice uh, that people have won on the podcast than than three three. I just don't get. It. I, I don't get it, freaks. I don't. I, I don't get fucking yeah. like all. Um, I, all I feel there is that is, is that we're being kink shamed. Yeah. Just I just don't get. If we had if we had more listeners in Japan, I would have my own vending machines over there. Yeah, people would be hauling their <laughs> cash down to the the vending machine <laughs> just for a a hit of your bars musk on the <laughs> underground. Yeah, in Tokyo. Well, yeah, there'd be the, there'd be these little bespectacled guys kind of wandering around, shuffling around the back of these uh, things, sniffing away at it, uh, with their eyes rolling back in their heads. <laughs> uh, with that, with that all being said and done, can you two wire Ricky coaches? <laughs> yeah, catch you later. <laughs>